I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routen, and Dan Gladman. This week, we welcome Canadian broadcast legend, Paul Jones. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. The NBA season might be at its end, but the one thing about hoop heads and basketball fans the world over is that the conversations keep on rolling, and we're going to keep talking ball on Jim Rats and Joints until the cows come home, until we have nowhere else to go. We are going to talk ball. As per usual, I got Andy Routens here, Javon Shepard, and we have a very special guest today, a friend to all of us and for many years, the voice of the Toronto Raptors on the radio, Mr. Paul Jones. Paul, it is so awesome to see you. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm great, and it's great to be here. Like like you said, Deej, the ball never stops. I mean, there's no games right now. We don't know when the next game's going to happen, but we can always talk ball. It's, yep. it's, it's the... It's the roaming black man's barbershop. <laughs> Am I right, Chip? For sure. Well, Wherever yeah. somebody drops a line like, oh, "I'll take Michael over LeBron," now you got to now you, you got have a conversation. Discuss, Absolutely. Right? No, no, I'm 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 Converse over Nike. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> and it's amazing. These are the same conversations you and I have been having. Probably for 20 years. 25 now. years. Yeah, at, <laughs> at least, at least. And, you know, we might, in the course of, uh, of this hour here, we might touch on these things. I want to go around the table first to start us off and maybe start with Andy Routens. What, how, do you, how do you know Paul Jones? What, what do you know of this guy coming into us sitting here today? Well, I've known Jonesy since back in the day. Uh, you know, he's worked with my dad, Leo, for quite some time now. Uh, you know, I always used to remember being, you know, younger and, and coming to the practice facility and, and getting shots up and seeing Jonesy around. You always had that big smile on your face. It's like your most memorable trademark, I think, in everybody's <laughs> mind. Uh, but always like just the, the best, most kind guy. And, um, you know, to see you uh, with your success and your longstanding tenure with the Raptors, um, you know, we're, we're absolutely, uh, you know, excited to have you here. And, and it's uh, it's been a while. So we appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate that, yeah. too. And, and, and it's funny because, Andy, I, you're dad and i did did battles we had battles back from high school that's right and, that's right and you know the one thing i remember and, and your dad and i have become we've become really close over the our time on the broadcast and all the way life's ups and downs have taken us through you know y- y- your grandmother's passing your yeah. grandfather's passing like yeah. all, all of the the life's up and downs with with your dad and and we we've become really tight and mm-hmm. and the one thing i remember saying at one point and I, and I didn't even say it to him i should be giving him his flowers i remember saying to a close friend of mine in the basketball world 
you know, Leo's a damn good father. <laughs> Understatement and of the you know year. What? And, and like, it's, it's, it's crazy because he has that relationship with, with all of you guys, with mm-hmm. you, with Sammy, with Mike, with mm-hmm. all of you that, mm-hmm. with Jay, that. Former players too. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a friendship there, but at some point, yo, remember I'm your pops. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I always admired that about him. And I look at the way you guys have all grown up and mm-hmm. that's a testament to him mm-hmm. and it's a testament to you guys. Too. I, we appreciate that. Yeah. N- nice. I, I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt about it. Be- being on the road with Leo all those oh. years, he was always on the phone with, with, with Andy and yeah. Sammy and, you know, all, all four of you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy and he's a great guy. We got this guy Shep here. He's an awesome dude as well. Shep, what, how? Where do you go back with Jonesy? How 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 long you known Jonesy? Too long. I mean, Jonesy, <laughs> too long. Your whole life crazy. But yeah, jo- Jonesy's been you know the voice of the Raptors. But not only that, he's been a staple you know in the basketball community here in in Toronto. So just you know just hearing about you know the career he had at York, he was. Some would say he was all right. He was okay. He was just right. just three provincial titles, no big deal. That's it. That's it. Just three. But yeah, just you know, going from there, and then just even the ups and downs that I've had in my career, as you know, playing from high school, collegiate to pros, like it's always somebody that I've been able to pick up my phone and just you know poke his brain. Mm-hmm. And now just being in you know the media space, the sport media space, I've you know called him. We've done lives together. Just got advice. Yeah. Just the mentorship and just you know he's always been open. His door's always been open to me. His phone's always been open to me. He's been you know I. Could, somebody that could be vulnerable with as well so you know just thank you for that and also just thank you for being here i know your time is money but <laughs> and my money goes to you guys the way the way I'll take it the way the way it always does man pay it forward yeah, the way it always does well that that's uh it's really great to hear the testimonials for, from all of us and i actually have so many stories uh really of gratitude with you Jonesy, we need um, our own hour. You and I, oh well, yeah, we might, like we might have to years. do one of those like six part series. <laughs> you know the the New, Paul New Jones times. years. I, I I will say this before we get into the basketball stuff, and I'll I'll end off the uh, the mutual admiration society here. Um, when you look back on it now, twenty five years of the Raptors, you've been there since day one. You have to be considered a legend of broadcasting of this team. And for my money, you are the only person I want to hear call play by play the Raptors. And fortunately, we uh, we get to have that. Yeah. yeah so it's, that's it's, that's it's how it is. Journey. That's how I see it. Yeah, now, it's been a great journey. Let, let's uh, let's get in. Let's get into basketball news, and you know, hopefully, that's what people are tuning in for. Uh, there was, uh, you know, we're sitting here on uh, Wednesday, October the twenty first. We're at the Eggplant Picture and Sound Studio in downtown Toronto, and it was yesterday that news started trickling out that Raptors assistant uh, Nate Bjorgren had been hired as the Indiana Pacers head coach. Um, he replaces Nate McMillan, right, who was a, a veteran coach, has been through so much as an NBA coach, an NBA player, goes back to that Seattle Sonics team with, with Gary Payton. Um, I guess I'll start with you, Jonesy. Were you? Does this news surprise you? Was it expected? And what what does Indiana think it's getting with this really out of the box hire? Yeah, um, it doesn't surprise me in a way because whenever a team is successful, everybody wants to know what what are they doing over there? Mm-hmm. What are they doing over there? I I'll never forget the line, 1984. I'm a student demonstrator for Bob Knight, the legendary Bob Knight, doing a one man clinic at U of T. And by the way, he made the guys that were wearing the St. Mike's jerseys 
take them off because they looked like Michigan. They were blue. They were the blue. <laughs> right? At that part, remember that, Andy? That, they were them. the dark yeah, blue. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Javon Shepard doesn't like tree. that. He goes, those blues remind me of Michigan. I'm like, <laughs> I was lucky. York, we were red, so I was, I was good. Yeah. But he said, he said, when a kid plays basketball at IU, it better be the best experience he's had. People need to come to me to find out what I'm doing. Because if he says it's some fat guy up in the hallway in, at Chem 402, then I'm going up there to see what he's doing. And with the Raptors' success, people want to know, how did you guys come from the bottom to get to where you are? And they look at all the, 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 the prongs, the arms with the Raptors. Smart drafting, good scouting player development mm. like they got all these things and they really didn't have a star till they traded for Kawhi Leonard and that put them over the top so how do we do everything else to get there so years ago you were hiring people who were on the bench at Golden State if you could find somebody or in the front office at Golden State or like people want to get with successful organizations so those those people get hired because they want to know what you guys do in Toronto and, and I'm sure a lot of – there's going to be a lot of, as, as Shep says, poking of Nate Bjorken's b- brain about what Nick Nurse did mm. and trying to get people to buy in. And, well, this is what they did in Toronto, and it mm. worked. So he's going to try it here. I know it might look crazy but mm. or it might look different or it's not what you're used to, but, hey, man, if it works, we're going to try it. Interesting. But, Shep, on um- – one thing that you always hear about in basketball are the, the coaching trees. Mm-hmm. Who mm. who did this guy work under? Who was his head coach? You know, it's something in college basketball. It's it's big with Shashevsky. Mm-hmm. You know, even Quinn Snyder was played and coached under Shashevsky. Uh, Tommy Amaker comes to mind. There's so many of these guys. What does this hire say to you about the job that Nick Nurse has done and how? his reputation now in the NBA. I think when you look at that, and I sent a tweet about that yesterday, is that it really it really shows the, the respect that, you know, and admiration that other teams around the league have for not only, you know, Nick Nurse as a coach, but for the organization and everything that the Raptors are doing. One, winning a championship last year, and two, this year coming off, you know, the most wins in 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 their you know their history Mm -hmm. so i think you know you have to commend them and and again like you're going to look you want to look to you want to understand like jonesy said what these teams are doing what is what is it at the fund fundamentally what they're doing to have the success that they're having and then when you look you know okay somebody like greg popovich popovich he's came into the league in what 2000 started coaching the spurs in 2006 since then he's had five was it, 97, was 98. 97 right yeah so and since then he's had five championships with them so you know if you look around the league, a lot of coaches, a lot of front office, a lot of executives have yeah. cut their teeth with the Spurs. And that's, you know, something that you're going to start to see with the, the more successful teams now. And Raptors have shown that over the last couple couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just see that continuing to grow. And again, your the assistants, front office that's executives are, are I mean, flowering. look, Budenholzer, Sam Presti, all, all these guys. Oh, Brett were, Brown. Look, Brett, the, Brown. Brett Brown, Mike Brown. Boylan, D'Antoni, Alvin Gentry, mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder, Mike Brown. I mean, the list goes on. It's a copycat league, like yeah. you said, Jonesy, and and all these guys want to get in on what the winning met, uh, winning you know ideology is. What 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 is their culture like? What are you guys doing behind the scenes? Is it sports science? I remember when I was in OKC, you know, sports science.
grass was at cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Spurs were doing this. So now we're going to cultivate that atmosphere here because we want success. Mm-hmm. And they brought, uh, they had Scott Brooks at the time. Um, and he was the leading, uh, you know, coach in terms of that regards. And then they brought in Billy Donovan afterwards. Um, but I'm not surprised to see this in any capacity. You know, I think, you know, Nick has won two G League titles in 2011, also again in 2012. And there's something to be said about his penchant for developing talent as well. And I think you're seeing that, uh, you know, Nate has also had stints with him in uh, in Iowa. Um, And so, you know, spending a lot of time with the champion coach, you know, obviously, like you said, they're going to want to pick his brain and see what his, his, uh, his, 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 uh, his, I don't even know what the fucking word I'm well, looking for. Well, his his acumen and his, his ability and yeah. his leadership. Thank you, Jones. There's there's so, there's so many things, and you you have for to sure. assume he's he's learned under Nurse for all these years. You know, it's interesting, Andy. Something your dad Leo uh-huh. always said to me, and I'm sure you heard him say it was, if I was a general manager or a coach or an executive in this league, mm-hmm. I would be hanging outside the San Antonio Spurs office, and the second they lose a player. Or grab him, grab him, grab a player, grab a coach, grab a scout, find out what's going on. And you feel like the the Raptors kind of modeled themselves after San Antonio many years ago. And you're really seeing it now. They they have the longest streak of playoff um, appearances consecutively. And they they look like a a program that has a foundation. Maybe you don't win the championship every year. Neither did San Antonio. No, no one does. It's funny you say that because when Corey was first traded to, was he was he traded or signed to the Raptors? I remember that was one of the first free things, agent. Free agent. Yeah, free came agent. over here in free yeah. agency. That was one of the first things he said to me. Is that Corey Joseph? Uh, the first thing he said was that you know the 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 culture was different here from what, from San Antonio. That was in you know in the earlier years when we hadn't had as much success yet. Mm-hmm. And we started to build success here with the Raptors. So, you know, just just to tag along with everything that we're saying here, it definitely pays dividends to have success and get, you know, get guys into your system mm-hmm. that have have had had some success before. Well, look at look at I mean, to take it somewhere else, look at what happened when LeBron went to Miami. Mm-hmm. Right, he went into the Riley culture. Right, right, and right. Of, of, and this is how we do things. And there's being in shape, and then there's Miami Heat shape, as <laughs> yeah. they call it. Right, and right, That's and a and, world. and LeBron wanted to, you know, believe the reports or not, he wanted to get rid of Spolster, and Riley's like, no, 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 no. That's the coach. Mm-hmm. You're listening to him, and I support him. So we're we're not we're not we're not changing this, you know. Like this is this is how we do things. And also, if you think back, we got Dwayne Casey after the Dallas Mavericks had come off the 2011 Bingo. championship as well. So, Bingo. You know, it's just getting that winning pedigree. Dan, Dan Wong over there, our producer, is falling apart. It's Wong not COVID. Down, Wong it holding down COVID. the uh, just went down the wrong pipe. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> He's just holding hold right. down. Hold, so, yeah, but you want that winning pedigree yes. in your in your in your program to build that culture on you know, and I and to go on to tag on to to Nate, Coach Nate Borgen. Um, he also had one. I know, we don't really weight it heavily, but he did win a G League championship yes. with Iowa as well. So this is a guy that understands, you know, what it takes to win, kind of winning culture, building, mm-hmm. you know, success. And I think, you know, when you go forward and now you're in a position where you're at the, at the head of a bench, not only do you have the foundation and the fundamentals to be successful, but now you can be innovative and start mm-hmm. to revolutionize your right. own. I mean, build on, yeah, build I mean, your own. it's a credit to Nick and his time with the 905, bringing guys like Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. up yeah. through the system, you know, Pascal's been a year there, won the uh, you know G League 
uh, MVP mm-hmm. of, the, of the season. So just to know, you know, that they have success with uh, up and coming talent and how they develop it is a really big thing now, especially with the way that the G League and the NBA are intertwining. Andy, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and Shep, you said that about about Corey coming from San Antonio mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to know how they do it in San Antonio. Exactly. What do they do? And, mm-hmm. and, and think about, Andy, what you said in terms of development. Mm-hmm. All those guys, they're not here anymore. DeLon Wright, um, uh, Van Vliet, Pascal, mm-hmm. Pirtle, like all these guys had success in the G League and mm-hmm. they developed and they developed to a point where they look good to other teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's and like, it flowed. It flowed too. Right. Like there was no lack between coming from the G League and, and to Toronto. And, and you can put them in deals now. Exactly. Right? You, you put them in trade. And, and and people say, well, you know, building for the future. No, no, no. At some point, the future is now. Is now. Yeah. The future, the present, the future morphs into the present. Mm-hmm. And there were, I mean, we all know there were a lot of people upset when they made uh, the DeRozan deal. But I was one of them. But they, but they got a guy who could play. And then Andy, to your point. You know, they get rid of the coach of the year and they bring Nick in. And Dan, I know you and I answered a lot of questions from people. I was like, well, look, you know, like, look, he's got some ideas. Like, give it a chance. And Mm -hmm. and people were all, I felt like people were all, and he he brought the staff in, right? Adrian Mm -hmm. Griffin, Nate Bjorkren, like Sergio Scariolo. He brought all these guys in. And I got the feeling from Raptor fans, they had their arms folded (laughs) Doing the fat Joe, leaning mm-hmm. back yeah. and going, all right, let me see what happens here. And the regular season was swimming along, and they're like, they kind of let the arms down to okay. the waist, and okay. they're like, yeah. okay, but it's not the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? And then, boom, the success happens, and here it is. Nate's a part of that, mm-hmm. and people are reaching in. I'm going to tell you, it won't be long before I think Adrian Griffin, is, is mm-hmm. his name Absolutely. is out there, too. Out there. Well, yeah. I, I think there was conversation. He was being considered as a, a top coaching prospect before Nate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Adrian has more uh, connections and contacts in the NBA by virtue of him playing NCAA Division One. I, I think, at mm-hmm. Seton Hall. He's He played a little bit in the NBA, yeah. so he's a more known quantity than he's, Nate. He's famously the defender on that Vince Carter shot against the Celtics. You remember oh, that wow. one? When Vince I hit the game winner against the Celtics? Wow. And and Griff told me the story. He said, I went, he said, I went into the locker room. Patino's like, man, you got to be up on him. He goes, coach, coach <laughs> I'm like in my 10th year. This kid's like, ju- yeah, he's like jumping off a trampoline. I was up on him, coach. I was up. And Patino wouldn't take it. But yeah, you're right. Griff's, and, and that's the thing, too. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Like all of us have a book full of plays, mm-hmm. right? The plays work better when you have better players, mm-hmm. and the plays work better when guys buy in, buy in. and you can exactly. develop those relationships. Yep. And, yep. Mm-hmm. and, you know, the Pacers are obviously hoping that Nate is is a relationship manager, a relationship guy, because that goes a long way. I, I think that's big as well, because, you know, there's there's a changing of the guard with a lot of these players now. We, yes, it's a new generation yeah. of basketball. Yes. Uh, these guys are, uh, most of these guys are born in... 2000 and up you can't custom anymore you can't like 2000 I I can't remember who it was I was with this week asked him what year he was born he said 2006 it was a young guy young guy but a young prospect a big time prospect who's probably going to end up in the NBA Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking okay so that means the rest of the NBA if he's one year out that means the rest of the NBA is born in like you know definitely the 2000s right or late 
90s. So when you have talking about the coaches now, there needs to be more of a connection between a Absolutely. relationship, like you yes. said. There has to be a connection, or you're not, it, there's nothing. These guys don't really relate or respect. I mm-hmm. think you know if you're a coach, you have to just surround yourself. If you're a younger coach, surround yourself where you have your voids. And if it's ex- head coaching experience, then you get some veterans behind you. Yeah. But you know if you have a 18, 19 year old player, or and that's your, this is your star. He has to be able to look at his coach, and they have to be able to have a conversation, yeah. or speak the same language in a sense. And, and Dan, Dan, you know Nate too. Like Nate's terrific. Mm-hmm. Like we we know him from being on the plane with him and being around, like seeing him in hotels, and I just it just very calm, very positive. Uh, always a you know a, a good word. Looking at you know you get you get you get beat by twenty, and he's like, well, you know, we got we did, we did see this some, well. Yeah, we did see <laughs> we some good things. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of positivity. Yeah. A lot of positivity, and, and he was uh, you know a ray of sunshine, yeah. even in in moments when when things weren't going well. All three of you guys have really hit on something here, and it's the relationship, the connection between coach and player, and I think in this era that the NBA is in, it is becoming a more, I don't want to say a touchy-feely league, but you really do have to kind of coddle the players a little bit more as a coach than you used to. Um, I want to ask really all three of you for for personal experience, maybe a strong relationship you had. You you guys have all played at at really high levels, professionally, collegiately. Mm There had to be one or more assistant coaches who you could really go to as a player um, that really was able to help you, maybe not just on the floor, but also to become a leader in your life. Jonesy, you, you got one? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think of my time at York. First of all, the head coach, Bob Bain, was very much like that. And I I still have that kind of relationship with him. You know, I remember, um, you know, you're a teenager, you're rebellious, I'm in I'm in first year, second year at York and I'm you know, my parents are the dumbest people in the world and I'm ready to leave home and he said, I went through that with my dad. He goes, You can come and live with me if you need to for a little while. You know, and that's mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of stuff. And then his some of his assistants, you know, Mike Quigley, who later went on to Laurier, Jerry Barker, like these were guys that you could go and talk to and if you didn't feel you could go right to the coach you could go to an assistant. Yes. And and interesting, George Carl said the other day, the assistant's job is to make my job easier. <laughs> Whatever it is that's on my plate, take it off. If I got an unhappy player, mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like help me deal with it or or take it off my plate. If there's like all of those things that allow the coach to focus on coaching. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's what a good assistant does. And you you make suggestions. Like Dwayne Casey said when he was an assistant with Rick Carlisle, he was into the relationships with the players. Mm-hmm. And when he went into a meeting and Carlisle says X, if you said Y or Z, he'd say, "Okay, well how come?" He'd want you to defend it. Mm-hmm. Right? So think like a head coach. And and I I really think the job of the assistant is as George Carl says, to be that go-between, to make it easier for the head coach. Yeah, you guys mm-hmm. have had that more recently. I can attest to that. I mean, 99% of the time, if I had an issue or I saw something on the court, you know, I, without fail, I would go to the lead assistant, who naturally I, I gravitated more towards, just because I think that, you know, it, like you said, the league is going away from more of the dictator-style coach right. who, who is the superstar. And in Europe, as you guys know, <laughs> you know, Europe, the coach is the superstar. Yeah. That's who, yeah. you know, 
the success falls on their shoulders, but if they fail, you know, it's not on them. You know, this is how Europe runs. So I'm going to the assistant because you create a bond with them because I'm sure in some capacity they feel the same kind of split with the head coach. But mm-hmm. now we're going towards a league where, you know, in, in my culture, you're, you you, you want to be able to have, you know, a coach who is patient, who can creatively innovate, mm-hmm. who can relate to their players. And now you're dealing with a generation of players who are also more savvy. Mm-hmm. They're businessmen. Yes. They're, they're being yep. taught. The brand, right? The, the brand. Yeah. Your personal brand. As soon as you get out of college and you go to that draft combine, you're sitting in a classroom setting and you're being taught about how to handle your finances, you know, what percentages you should take, what, what you should put away. And that wasn't, you know, it was kind of like the forefront when I was coming out, but I still wish that I got to experience, yeah, you know, the full, you know, taking control of your own personal brand, like mm. you said. Um, so coaches are just finding ways now to, you know, essentially not step on anybody's toes, be creative and get their guys to buy in, uh, you know, all while respectively, you know, think, you know, taking into things in consideration like the black rights movement. Right. And, and, and right. it's, 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 it's a lot to balance with these days and there's a lot of sensitivities and it's a different era. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that this is uh, this is just the way the basketball is going. How about you, Shep? Any uh, are, are, is this relationship with assistant coach something that was vital to you? Those are important. I, I wish I I wish I nurtured those more and took took heed to that when I was younger, especially when I was at Michigan. I think you know, like Andy said, we, you know, we missed out on a lot. And for myself, I was you know, I wanted to do this on an island. I didn't know any better, so um, I, I would have definitely took advantage of that. In, into my pro career, I definitely had those coaches. I think um, you know, even Mike Malone was a, is a good example. Right, He's somebody great, that great example. was a great assistant. Yeah. You know, always open out with the guys talking. And I think yeah. um, a guy like. Nathaniel Mitchell, who I, I, he wasn't my assistant, right. but he's an assistant with Charlotte Hornets, mm-hmm. and we have a relationship. And I see how the guys interact with him, and mm-hmm. I see how you know they make that connection. And there's there's some vulnerability; they're open with each other, so that mm-hmm. helps. You know, to your point, Jonesy, bridging that gap between the head coach and assistants and players, because now we're able to relay a message that both understand. Right. Right? The head Absolutely. coach can see where the player is coming from, mm-hmm. and the player can see where the head coach is from. It takes and then, the ego out of it, right? right? It takes the ego out of it, and if you need a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. You know that assistant can kick, can give you that kick. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I, and I said I was just at a gym with with these guys a minute ago, and I heard Shea Gilgris Alexander say, "You know, we're drawing something up." And, and Nate said something, and he w- turned to me and whispered, "This guy, he's going to be a head coach." Mm. And that you know that speaks volumes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That to know that and players pick up on p- it. players they pick know. up on they that. Have a sense for these things. Players pick up on that that this guy can be a head coach, and he's mm-hmm. at this point in his career, he's he's still the relationship guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, no, no part, one would me, know better than uh, the players who's going to be a head coach. That's oh, during Casey's sure. line, right? There's two groups of people you can't fool, kids mm-hmm. and NBA players. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, boys, uh, blunder on my part. I'm at the Black Lives Matter movement, just uh, for clarification. What the did last you say, part. black rights? I say black rights. I, I, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Civil rights? It's anyway, uh, one, one of my best you're, you're personal you're too young to get things like that's that's our that's our old man generation know, man. right crossing words up and stuff like that right? uh in, in my experience that when i was uh, with okc i was sent down to the g league with the uh, uh the uh, tulsa 66ers right. and darko ryakovich was the head coach there as the first european head coach in, in the g league uh, was an assistant with the thunder at the time and to me that was the changing of the guard because i remember specifically he would call me you know, after practice, how you doing? How you feeling? You know, they 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 showed that they cared, and that made mm-hmm. a difference with our play on the court. And once a week, we sat down, and we watched film. We watched film about uh, individual breakdown. You know, right. we we said he said, I want to see this from you. These are my goals for you. 
how can I help you get there emotionally? How are you? And that translated to success on the court. You know, granted, we lost in the first round of the playoffs, but that team was one of the more tight teams that I've ever been on. And I think that Darko is going to put himself in a position now to be a head coach in this league because of the way he's able to interact with his players. Let me ask you guys something For of sure. this generation. We've been asking you enough. <laughs> How much do you think the technology has helped? And I'm not just talking about being able to sit on the bench and watch breakdown on a laptop, mm-hmm. whereas before you had to go into the film room or the video room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the communication part of it. And I, and, I, and I bring this up because when you talked about your, you know, sitting with Darko mm-hmm. and him calling you and whatever, mm-hmm. Doug Collins, when he was coaching Philadelphia, and this is when LeBron was in Miami and they had Miami in the first round. And I heard the stories from Doug himself about texting Drew Holiday, like, hey, man, I need you tomorrow night. Like, you know, you think you can give me like, you know. 15 and 10 or whatever like yeah. i need you and like you know drew's like yeah he goes like you know doug collins like i like what can i get you like you know he's bribing him like, like buy you a new ipad or something you know but but the fact that at one in the morning and i've heard nick nurse say this mm-hmm. i've heard Dwayne casey say this i've heard coaches say this mm-hmm. oh i texted him last night like the technology, it's not like you have to call them and you have to kind of massage them with your voice. You can send a text. You know, I'm like, yo, Andy, you know, you got Shep tomorrow night, man. Like, you got to hold him for us, man. Uh-huh. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to keep him to like, you know, make him inefficient. Or Shep, you got routes tomorrow night, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you just make him work, brother. We got, mm-hmm. we, we're helping you. Out. How important is that, or how how far does that go in a generation where we have that technology? Mm-hmm. I think it's two-sided, but I, I err on the side of it helping more because it makes the relationship more personal. So when you can sure. connect with, if you know how to resonate with somebody, yes. you can speak to them and right. get yeah. and trigger them. Right. It depends on the capacity that they that they send the message. Right. If it sounds like you know they're desperate mm-hmm. or you know you're, the game is riding on your shoulders in mm-hmm. some capacity, I think it's different. But like you said, to have the support and mm-hmm. to know that they care beyond you know practice or. Interesting. Yeah. Technology's also allowed us to you know have access to more stats. So now we're also we have the ability to quantify our message a bit more and help players that are that are really locked in to understand, mm-hmm. you know, what it is we're asking of them and why to support mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, they get two in their heads. It can get you two yes, in their heads, for sure. And then yes. you know, there's technology again that's advanced so much that sometimes a lot of players, coaches, don't have personal space. Mm-hmm. You, you you say getting in someone's head. I call it planting a seed. Planting why a seed. Why not give that guy that idea? Hey, you know, fifteen and ten would would be nice. You know. We, we have a we have a little team here. Jim Rats and Joints. We got producer Dan Wong, mm-hmm. Andy Shep. We we text each other all sure. we got. Oh, I think I think it speaks to a coach who is in touch with the people mm-hmm. to to be able to communicate in that short, sweet kind of way. Um, I want to take a, a quick break here. A little shout out to our sponsor, Henderson Brewery in Toronto. The best beer is the beer you love. Happy birthday to Aiden Weiner. One of the uh, principal owners of Henderson Brewery, and Aiden, shout out Aiden. <laughs> Get him on a golf course. He's more of a baseball guy, but but uh, also congrats to him. His son had his bar mitzvah this weekend on Zoom because it's 2020. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Back to basketball. And, you know, we talked about... There you go. Muzzle tough. Uh, we talked about Nate Bjorgren. And to me, that was a very outside-the-box approach uh, for the Indiana Pacers hiring a new head coach. And it, we, we've seen and heard so often about how coaches in the NBA are recycled. Uh-huh. One guy who gets recycled a lot as a head coach is Doc Rivers. Yeah. However, he's the kind of guy who, when he becomes available, there's always a team who wants him. And I would argue needs a guy like that. If for nothing other than just his outspoken leadership, mm-hmm. um, more than anything, and sure enough, um, he unfortunately was the fall guy for the L.A. Clippers. Yeah. Um, I don't see how it was his fault. Uh, DJ, I was going to ask you that. Apart. I was going to ask you that. Like, but even even when Spolstra lost the first year with LeBron, Bosh, and Wade to Nowitzki and a bunch of other guys, mm-hmm. Riley never moved off him. Like he and and as you pointed out, all the stuff Doc did around the leadership when that that franchise was falling apart, was and he yeah. he held them together. Like, I, do you share that opinion? Like they moved off him too fast. It was a very panicked move. There, there's no question about it. It, it. it couldn't have been his fault. Now he has been on teams where the three one lead dissipated before, but he's also coached an NBA champion. I, mm-hmm. I thought say, it was a very He didn't, he didn't move. hit the side of the backboard on a shot. Correct. I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm a little indifferent there. I'm, I'm slightly indifferent because I appreciate everything Doc has done in the NBA. His, you know, the voice he's had, um, you know, the person that he is. Uh, I think sometimes there's a misconception when a coach is let go or there's a change in, in head coaching that that coach is a bad coach. I think sometimes it's just a rebrand. You need a fresh face. You need mm-hmm. something different. Okay. You need, mm-hmm. you need okay. a change. But the, the Clippers, it's only been one year. It has it been with that, I mean, with that team. Now, if you look at Dwayne Casey you look after at, the most winning t- uh, yeah, exactly. season yeah, in NBA exactly. history for the Raptors. So it's, it's not a knock swept. at Doc at all. Uh, I just think in his tenure, it's, it had an expiration date. He hasn't been, they haven't even been to a conference finals. With, with they never got so, second yeah. round once or Ex- something? Exactly. So if you're looking yeah. at it from that aspect – it's time for a change. So we, if you measure it by this season alone, sure, he's done a lot. And we, you, we could have gave him you know, an extended period of time just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. We don't have, they don't, the Clippers don't have that luxury of time on their hands because after next year, those guys are gone. They're free agents, happens. yeah. yeah. Now you put him over. I think he's an exceptional motivator. You get him over in Philly, you know, he's, this is a young group of guys. I think that's where Doc thrives is when he's able to you know, get a young group of guys and just build them create better not better players but mm-hmm. better men and he's a, he's a players coach yeah. he's a, i think everybody vibes with him they they exactly. enjoy playing for doc right and, and now he's back in the east which he's familiar with mm-hmm. you know having won a championship with boston and he's got two young guys in simmons and Embiid. you know if you can find some alchemy there and figure that that thing out i think they're going to be unstoppable Boy, Jonesy, I, I I saw some alchemy that would have worked for the Philadelphia 76ers. Alchemy. And these, that, these boys been reading. These boys <laughs> been reading books. This is made up for the, this made up for the word I couldn't find. Listen, for, listen, I love it. I love it. The young boys and, and my late father, who was, who was into broadcasting, turned down the number one radio broadcasting job in Jamaica so Mark and I could be educated in Canada. He felt that was better for us who was a language major, fluent Spanish, and often Latin. We never needed a dictionary. We could always say, Dad, what does this mean? And he would tell us. Alchemy, I like that. He would say, <laughs> in your in your 
learning your craft as a broadcaster, master the language. Absolutely. Master the language. Yeah. I like that. Welcome. Yeah. I like that. I like that. See, people are looking. I can, I can see people I got a list of words Googling right, here. right now. <laughs> list of words. <laughs> I made up for that. The funny thing brain is, fart earlier. It's, it's a great word, but it's me. also alchemy is kind of a airy fairy sounds, kind of concept but one alchemist that would have worked for the 76ers oh. in this past year was jimmy butler yes what ha i mean ha i i don't think this has been explored enough and i think you guys have covered doc being the head coach of the sixers and i think he's going to work wonders for Embiid and simmons and if they can't work with doc it's on them man if they had jimmy butler on their team this year, I think they would have caused a much bigger stir in the bubble than they did. How could they let him go, considering they basically traded half the farm for him the year previous? I, I don't know if they let him go, Dan, as much as he took a look around the room and that's said, a great point. Yeah. Man, this, for, this ain't, yeah. It's not for me. This, it's not for me, Chef. That's, that's a problem there, too. It that's, is. That it tells is. you something that maybe Doc's not going to be able to fix. If it's that big of a problem that a guy like Jimmy's like, I'm out of here. Well, if they've given Doc the time and he can say to them, look, from what I see, here's what we need. And remember, he's got that genius card in his back pocket that says NBA champion. If he could get right? Rondo, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett on the same page, you can't tell me that he can't get Embiid and Simmons on the same yeah. page. Yeah. And if Jimmy was there, you know, who knows what might have happened. But, you know, it's not an it's not a. I wonder if I wonder if. if this happened last year, and Doc was hired last year. If Butler would have gone to Miami, or he would have stayed with Doc. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I just can't help but feel like if Butler stays with Phil, I mean, Philly might have been more of a challenge for the Lakers in the finals with Jimmy Butler than Miami was. Like, if you take Jimmy off both teams, yeah. Philadelphia has more talent. Yes, than but Miami. I, yes. I think yes. we, I think we got to see the best of Jimmy because there was some there was a synergy between that Riley culture and what Jimmy Butler stands for. So Very true, it's yeah. all situational, in my opinion. I don't necessarily think if he had stayed with Philly, it would have been the same because you're dealing with the same the same players, the same culture, the same you know lack of chemistry or. Um, however you want to put it, whereas Jimmy in, in Miami now, obviously they weren't the best players. They don't even have half the talent Philly has, yeah. but they worked well together. They knew the strengths, the weaknesses of each other, and they filled those voids, voids for one mm -hmm. another. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's more more the synergy that they had over there, and you, you got to see Jimmy at his best, G see Jimmy excel. I would have liked to see JJ stick around there too. And he made, he made that, he voiced that as well. That, that yeah. hurt them, that hurt that hurt them, them sure. losing, yeah. losing the shooters. That was one I mean, of his most efficient years. Yeah. He felt comfortable in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, it's, it's funny to think that people considered the Sixers a contender for the East Finals considering they lost Butler and Reddick. And I guess they added Richardson, Richardson. and Horford, yeah. but that was completely the wrong direction for them to go in. Yeah, but Dan, look, we were in the gym. <laughs> that the year before, like it came down they to one right shot. There. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's like yeah. six games and four bounces, yeah. I, and that's. I mean, everybody. The Raptors won the championship, but everybody looks back to that to the game seven against yeah. Philly. Mm -hmm. But who was the one who tightened it in the fourth quarter? Oh, of Jimmy. game seven. Jimmy. I mean, it was like the Jimmy steal. The the, yeah, like I thought, the, the, and I remember the game distinctly, calling the game when Jimmy's coming down with the ball. I'm like. Oh my God! If he pulls up for a three, that's the game. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. right? The, the Pascal misses the free throw. Yep. And it's like 
rebound to Philly, and I'm I'm kind of calling it in my head, going Butler up the court. I'm thinking to myself, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Drives it to the goal, lays it in. We're tied. Timeout Toronto. I'm, we go to a commercial. I'm thinking, oh, thank God. I mean, he didn't he didn't pass to Redick or take a three because yeah. it was that close. And you have to stay neutral in that moment, too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. totally. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> totally. Just call it like you see it. Yeah. Call it like you but see it. But in your heart. <laughs> oh, my heart was pounding. We all, we yeah. all were in, in, in that moment. And, yeah. and obviously... And you were in the truck. You were in the truck putting yeah, the, things together. The championship so. notwithstanding, the, the last moments of Game 7 Philadelphia are the ones that we'll all remember did, By the way, as we go off the beaten path here, did you do you actually have the award, the Canadian? The, is it like on your mantle somewhere? It's in my home, yeah. Like, I, like you know, I thought maybe you Hold on, hold on. No, Jonesy, no, no, Jonesy, tell yeah, us. What, yeah. what, what award are we talking I about? Mean, we need to hear it. Well, the people your, need to hear it. Your boy, Dan Gladman, tell is, me a, more. is an award-winning producer. Oh. Canadian Screen Award, Game 7. Well, Game 6 of the finals. Game 6 of the finals. That's the one that we submitted. That, that's the one that was submitted and won the Canadian Screen Award for, what was it, Best... Best live sports Best event. live sports event. That's right. You humble Chris, bastard. Humble. Yeah, he is a humble dude. That's how he rolls. Hey, work in silence. Let your success do the speaking. And your boy beside you, Chris Phillips, won the Canadian Screen Award for the Kawhi Leonard Show. Correct. So, like, yo. Yep. And, and we're rushing the joint with basketball. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. You know, those, were the f- those are the first awards in Canada to basketball productions, yes. uh, you know, for, for behind the scenes, for work in the truck. And yeah, we, you know, I was honored to be, oh, to be a part that, of it. And look, was right, that, was that most televised? Was that the oh, game? Oh yeah. Game six, game NBA six? finals. You're going to have a hard time getting a bigger audience in that Canada. Was, than that that. Was... I mean, maybe the parade itself, but you know, right now that's just, uh, when ESPN gives you that call, just resume. make sure you call me with you. <laughs> package deal, package deal to ESPN. Shout out to ESPN, wherever you are. Yeah, I don't know. ESPN has been calling me. <laughs> I've been calling Shepherd, them. They're Javon not calling Shepard, the player to be named later. <laughs> <laughs> We've traded for Dan Gladman and a player to be named later. <laughs> Unrestricted free agent. Where, wherever this, yeah, this UFA goes, I'm bringing my team with oh, me. There you go. Um, bringing it back to the NBA here. Uh, thanks for that aside, by the way, Jonesy. And we are with Paul Jones, who is the radio play-by-play voice of the Toronto Raptors. And uh, Andy, Javon, myself, we have worked uh, on a court, in a truck, in a radio station, a, t- a television broadcast with Jonesy, you know, literally for 25 years since the Raptors came into creation to, to start the 95 season. Um, we were talking about Doc Rivers, how we can help the 76ers, what happened with the Clippers. It looks like Teron Liu is going to be the head coach of the Clippers now. Someone explained to me how that makes things different, why he is the the better person for that job than Doc Rivers was. I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I mean, my first inkling would be he has free reign to he's he's been there i mean it's the old jim valvano line like what this you're hiring the assistant like the guy was sitting there holding out on me he had the answers and he wouldn't tell me like yes i know but i know all about that but but yes but in 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 look if if he's got four assistants doc he gets five votes they can all give him a suggestion the same suggestion but if he i mean he's the head coach he has the right of last refusal Mm -hmm. And if Ty Lue's sitting there, 
he is he's sitting in the passenger seat and watching the trip and now he gets his turn to drive and when he's driving the road next year he knows where the bumps are Mm -hmm. he took notes he knows where you slow down he knows where you step on the gas and if any of this stuff is has any truth around the players being dissenters with regard to load management and workouts and guys not practicing or whatever he's hearing that and and Ty Lu like I heard from one NBA exec in one of the places he interviewed he was spectacular I'm like so why couldn't they come to a decision well because there was one guy that wasn't sure well I mean he's coached a championship he's 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 taken over he's not afraid to hold people accountable like you know the word in Cleveland was that yeah. LeBron could get away with anything and nobody said anything in the video room. Right. Whereas Ty Lue would say, no, back that up. Yep. Hey, you need to, and I don't care who you are. But you're telling me Doc Rivers didn't do that. Maybe he didn't all the time. He didn't call out Kawhi maybe, if he saw something. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Capacity. I don't know. We're not in the I've, locker room. I've heard that, though. I've heard that Doc doesn't really hold you know his stars accountable. But at the same time, they didn't have, I think the Clips didn't have that extension of him, a vocal leader on yeah. the court, uh, you know, from like a point guard standpoint. It can really Rondo. get guys into a, into a Rondo. Right, exactly. A, Kyle a Rondo. Lowry. A Kyle Lowry. It's a very fickle right. line. So okay. it's tough. And, yeah. and, you know, different coaches have different coaching styles. For I think sure. Ty Lue is definitely one that's, you know, already left his mark. And if you can, if you can voice, you know, Mr. something to Mr. NBA LeBron, yes. you can voice it to anybody. If you can coach LeBron in mm-hmm. any capacity, I think you're capable of taking over a locker room that is filled with ego. Yeah. And, yes, he was 128 and 83, 83 as the head coach of Cleveland, a staggering 1 and 18 without LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a good coach? Good players, right? yeah, yeah, good player. Yeah. But having said that, he did take over for David Blatt when they were 30 and 11. They were kind of in a rut. They said the, the locker room was fractured. And he seems like the perfect situ- guy to come into a messy situation. Uh, you know, he's dealt with the LeBrons, the, the Kyries, you know, the Kevin Loves, who've all had multiple off-the-court issues. Going back to Boston Mental as an issues. assistant, yeah. you know, the assistant thing that we talked about? Yep. Ray Allen, Paul right. Pierce, Garnett, right. Rondo. Like yeah. he's – and then with the Clippers, he's Kawhi, mm-hmm. Paul George, Lou Will. Like, I mean, if anybody would know the roadmap, he, I'm guessing it might be him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, it, it will be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, it's got to be, for the Clippers, if they don't make the West Finals next year, the, this whole experiment is a disaster. Yes, hold on. Ty, go, no, Ty Lue's long past the days of, of Iverson walking over him, isn't he? He's, yes. long, he's long past those he's days. Back. Right, it's, he's it's back. It's of, of that moment, those two athletes who really... He just got to flash has, his ring at Iverson. That's all he's got to do. <laughs> he, Ty Lue's had a more... Longitudinal career that than Iverson. I mean, Iverson obviously disappeared. Can I pose a question player. to you guys? I'm gonna, we're going off course, but oh, we're off. We're, we're way, we're way off course. We're way off course, <laughs> but there is no. We all shared sentiments today about relationships and how much those impact the game, impact players. Mm. Why wouldn't a guy like Iverson uh, potentially get an opportunity as on a staff, even if it be from a, a mentor capacity or? Is, is it something he ever expressed interest in, in wanting to do? I haven't really heard I, I much. I don't know, but I see, you know, based on and social media is, is half the, the conversation, but based on what I see, he seems to be missing the game a lot now mm. based on things he's, you know, he's tweeting. He's, he's staying with, well within the basketball circle. He's staying yeah. well within, and sometimes he, it, he 
exudes hurt still. It, you know, it does feel that way. Yeah, it feels kind of sad in his interviews it, a little bit. It hurts to see, but yeah. I'm thinking that would be a great guy to. You know, have on your staff and get guys in check, yeah. especially guys. That well, maybe are, he's know, doing it from afar. Yeah. Once that Reebok deal kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just come collect. You know, I'm I'm fine Great until by Reebok these, to oh, yeah. withhold that yes. and pay him later in yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was um, prescient. I, I, I think he's, I, Alan. I think he's missing the game. Yeah. Like it's, man. When you are the star of stars, like for there was a, there was a five, six-year period where he may not have practiced, <laughs> but no, nobody was, played harder. He was the closest thing to going to see Jordan, in my opinion. It, nobody you remember that game harder. at Maple Leaf Gardens when he oh. came here and he just torched Toronto? What did he Crazy. Four, he did it all the plus? time. Yeah. Put back dunk. He was just doing the everything. Put back dunk the put is back what dunk I remember. Was, like yeah. he, his, his, I think his career average is 30 point. Eight or nine against Toronto, Easily. and that's the highest that anybody's ever scored against yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's well, his, but I think he's missing the game. His performance in the the two thousand and one playoffs in general, but particularly that seven game series against Toronto, oh. you know, something like that. Now, now that the Raptors have won a championship, we can look back at that and from a, yeah. a rose colored glasses and say we were treated to some historic and legendary basketball at that time. Um. One one other thing that really caught my eye in the past week was Daryl Morey leaving the Houston yes. Rockets. Yes. Uh, he was the general manager manager there for years. He brought in Harden. They won sixty games a year, but I got a couple of friends here who told me they're never going to win, and they never did. What is going to be the lasting impact of Morey's approach to? putting together a roster that was really based on analytics, shooting the three ad nauseum, and not really even prioritizing defense. I, I think it was I think it was one of like the new the new age. Like, all right, back in the day, if you didn't have a big man, you couldn't win. Mm-hmm. So you know what? We're going to cook the chicken differently. We're, we don't have a big man. We're, we're going to shoot from outside. But they did. Three they did. is better than two. And you know what? We're going to take it to the extreme where all of our guys can shoot threes. Like the, the, the Rockets averaged less than five shots a game that were not either in the paint or beyond the three. So is, that, is that why they shipped Capella? Yeah, they that got mean, him out of there. They, they, so they you know, they, that is an incredible statistic. Yeah. Five out. That's wild. In forty-eight minutes, five out, and we create driving lanes. It's layups or threes. Unreal. And and when we could get to the free throw line, if you're James Harden, I think the lasting impression for me will be, I agree with these guys. I don't think you can win playing that way. Mm-hmm. Not not consistently. And people will say Golden State. Well, Golden State was, as you said, Dan, they played a, Golden State paid attention to defense. Mm-hmm. They were a very good defensive team mm-hmm. that nobody saw because they scored so much. Mm-hmm. But they were good defensively. And my lasting impression of of Daryl Morey would be a guy who tried to, all right, you know what? I don't have a big man. I don't need a big man. I'm going to win it this way, and I'm going to go all in trying to do it. Mm-hmm. And. I got to admit, he came close a couple times. He, he, he had a couple of game sevens. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Chris Paul injury hurt them the one year. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, the the epithet will be 
you miss you miss twenty seven straight threes and you don't get off the three. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a layup. <laughs> get to the free throw line. Yeah. Give me a mid range. Take a twelve foot footer. Yeah. Like uh, just no, keep shooting the three. Like that was the, like Andy. You and I were talking about golf. That was the ultimate tin cup. <laughs> right? Like, keep shooting the Rose, three. Another one. Not- <laughs> so, anyway. But look, they, they made the playoffs eight out of the last ten years he's been there. So there's something to be said for his, his winning acumen. And, and I think that he just didn't have the how. They, they didn't have that chemistry. How, how are we going to get Russell Westbrook and James Harden on the same page. How are we going to allocate shots? How are we going to find our guys that know how to play their role? That's the difference between them and Golden State, in my opinion, is that those guys were superstars in their own right, but they knew their role. Their chemistry was significantly better than Houston at any point. Uh, And it didn't matter who took a shot. I think there was some ego that they had to deal with there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, ultimately, who knows? This, This ultimately may be a result of not getting to the championship as well as his uh, very controversial tweet in support of Hong Kong. I wonder how much that had yeah. to do with it. All I really do. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I really he do. basically went into hiding after because that. Because if moment. you win that much, if you're back to the playoffs year after year, I feel like there has to be a well, little but bit. There was some disappointment right. by they just never even got to the finals, right? Like, Shep, it, it, will Houston, will a team with James Harden as its premier player, can they, can they ever get to the finals? Like, what, what's missing there? I don't think so, especially with not that with, with that brand of basketball. And I imagine it's going to change. I believe they they get um they make a signing. Stan Van Gundy. Did they? I don't think it's happened uh, yet. It's unofficial. It, oh, Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy. Sorry, Jeff. To go back. Yeah. yeah. I believe maybe they've done it, but yeah. Um, yeah, that brand of basketball. I'm not a firm believer in it because you need a you need a balance attack, right? And and I'm, maybe I'm more traditional, mm-hmm. but you know. You're running three point nine to three point nine. You're not playing playing any defense, and it, because of that, now the defense doesn't have to play honest. So you let these guys gun out, let them shoot, let them shoot. How much of how much that is a result of the GM versus the coach, though? Because you I know, brought in the coach. You know, D'Antoni's style is yeah. zero defense, just get out and run, jack <laughs> up. But if if Van Gundy comes in, is he going to have the personnel to to play any defense? I mean, Harden's pretty token as a oh, yeah. defensive player. I mean, oh, he's and a cone. What, he's what, a yeah, cone. what are you going to ask him for? He's scoring 35 points and 10 assists. It's yeah. hard to say, well, you know, you didn't get in front of that guy. Um, and Jeff Van Gundy, the Riley disciple, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. so if you bring in a guy like Drew Holiday, you know, you could turn that whole that whole mentality defensively around. It takes one person. Okay. I, you know, I'm glad they're going to break that up because we, we get away from that brand of basketball, I think. And especially with the you know Lakers winning and they've played with some bigs, have mm-hmm. some traditional bigs. Mm-hmm. And then the, the success that the Raptors have had, I think now we're getting back to just finding balance. And I and, and I hope that the mid-range game yeah. comes back into into play or, you know. Or just the ball movement, Chef. Just ball I mean, movement. for me, like, for sure. I mean, James Harden's a wonderful scorer, but... To see a guy dribble the ball 31 times, nobody else touch it, mm-hmm. and then a shot go up, like... How do you have any motivation to... Passing's, yeah. passing's like... Passing means I can't get the shot I want. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to pass, right? It's the like we talked about, Bobby Shep. Knight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. From what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, guys, we've, we've talked so much basketball, and we're, we don't have a lot of time left to really get to know our guest Paul Jones here you know Jonesy we, we used to play a game on uh, the Raptors pregame show I, was it called Around the NBA I, I don't Around even, the NBA I don't yes, even remember yes, it, it yes. hasn't been that long but uh, I, I, I thought we would go 
maybe around the world with Paul Jones. And, you know, you've been such a mainstay of, of Toronto Raptors broadcasting. Um, I've seen you talking to players, former players. You introduced me to Magic Johnson a, a moment. I'll, can I, I'll can I give forget. that story? Can I give <laughs> that story on the air? Please do. Yes. I knew Dan grew up as an 80s Lakers fan. And um, I'm going to let people... And I'm into, back to being a Lakers fan. I'm going to let way. people into some of the conversations <laughs> we have on the charter aircraft. 2.30 in the morning, we're getting off a plane somewhere, and I'm I'm out. I'm like the old man with my head, like, you know, I'm drooling. And, 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 and one of our favorite lines is, send it in. And he's walking past me on the aisle saying, send it in, Jonesy, send it in. Like, get up, let's go, let's go, right? Yeah. And we have another line, which is when Larry Bird stole the uh, stole the ball on the Isaiah Thomas pass. <laughs> what a play by Bird! <laughs> and then the last Johnny one Most. as a Laker fan is when Magic Johnson in '87 hit the hook shot over Bird, Parrish, and McHale to win the game and put the Lakers up three one. The Boston Garden goes quiet, and all you can hear is the voice of legendary PA announcer saying, you got to announce the basket, and it's quiet, and you hear this in the New England twang, Magic Jansen. <laughs> so Dan and I will be in a hotel somewhere, or and I, and I just hear it behind me, Magic Jansen. So we're, we're in, at Staples. And I had the good fortune of knowing Magic because he worked with my brother Mark at ESPN. And he comes out and he's like, "What's up?" And we're talking. I'm like, "I'm like Buck, like Magic, you got to stay here. I need somebody you have to meet." And I call Dan in the truck, and he's like, "Jones, he can't talk. I'm pre-recording." I'm like, Dan, <laughs> Dan, you're <Yeah>. killing me. <laughs> I said, "I got somebody you got to meet." He goes, "Jones, yeah, can it wait?" It's magic. Before I could hang up the phone or get Johnson out of my mouth, it was like a cartoon. There was dust, and Dan was standing there. With my camera. With the camera, and we got it. And then Dan asked the question, when you hit the hook shot in 87, and the Boston Garden went quiet, and we heard magic Johnson. Dan says to Irvin Johnson, he says, did you hear that? And as only magic could say it, oh, most definitely. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a story. I, and I also said to magic that people like me who grew up in Canada with barely any basketball, and, and there I was yeah. that day, got to meet him working with you on, on the Raptors broadcast. You know, how about you, Shep? You're you're, break, you're breaking into broadcasting. This guy's been doing it his, his whole life. What, you know... What are you learning from this guy in terms of broadcasting and how to carry yourself in our in our, our new profession? Like, just I'm learning how to be a pro in another lane. Like, if I, he didn't even know, but outside when he was walking, I was just looking to see how he walked, how he carried himself <laughs> in the street, right? Because I want to. I'm for me, that's learning. I just want to know how to approach this thing, and you know, any advice that I could ever get from him, I'm always, you know, I always text him, I always call him, and just ask him, you know, poke his poke his brain, but. No, I just see like, and even the words, like how articulate yes. you are. Yes. I'm always now that I'm out of the the player realm. It's funny, like I, I watched all the broadcasts, right. and I didn't even, you know, I didn't even tune into the action. 
Mm -hmm. I was just keying on what you're saying, the Mm -hmm. things that you're saying, you yourself, Leo, and and everybody else that's on here, and even the halftime stuff, halftime, pregame, postgame, just to really, you know, learn and craft what exactly you guys are doing. Because you've been doing it, what what is this, 20, how many years is this? 25. 25 years. Right, and I'm, I'm sure it's like there's bigger and, and better things that are going to be, you know, coming after you. You shut it down, or whatever you want to do. So just know that you'll be a mentor for golf. for here on out. More golf, Jonesy. I got to ask you: Is it is it since you've been in the game so long? It, does it feel like riding a bike to you when you come to work? Yeah, but you know what, Andy? It's like getting on a new bike every day. Okay, man. you know, okay, like yeah. you never lose that excitement. Right. And, and and Dan and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be, I mean, we, we went through it where the team was like, you know, 22 and 60 and like, yeah. you're out of it. And like the middle of at the all-star struggling, you, you, yeah. you're done, yeah. you know, you're done, but Hey, you, you do your homework, you show up, you know, you, you're, you're professional. You never know who's watching and you know, you come to the arena and the team's lost six in a row and you're, you know, you're, they're going to get beat tonight. It's probably going to get beat tonight. And you kind of show up at the arena and as tired as you feel or as like, oh, man, again. Yeah. But you get to the arena. And you guys know this from playing. And, Dan, you know this from the, being in the truck. Like, there's an energy yeah. about the game. Mm-hmm. It's like the, everything's buzzing. Yes, yes. there's an buzzing. energy. And, like, it is it is like riding a bike. But yeah. you know what? Every day I come out and somebody shine the bike up, Andy. And it's okay. like, wow, look at yeah. the bike, man. Look at the bike. <laughs> so question for you. Question for you. What is or how do when you say research, how do you approach your research? Because I think, you know, for myself and maybe even Andy, the difficult thing right now is when we were when we worked hard, we we exerted ourselves at our craft when we were playing, you know, you knew you worked hard when you left right. and you were tired and you were exhausted right. physically, right? Now you had the tough a plan thing for preparation as well. Right. Yeah. And now the tough thing is balancing and, and crafting and, and finding a blueprint in this and, and exactly. what is hard work. How right. do you navigate this? Because I don't go to my bed tired. I go to my bed excited to learn. And yeah, and, and that's just it. Like, we're all doing something we love. Mm-hmm. So when Dan Gladman emails me the script at 1.38 a.m. on a Thursday night mm-hmm. for Friday's pregame, mm-hmm. I know he's been up watching Inside the NBA in mm-hmm. that hotel in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I know that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got a text from him like, geez, they blew that. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, 4.30 tomorrow, Jonesy, you're interviewing... Uh, you know, you, you've got you, you're interviewing Quinn Buckner for pregame. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Quinn Buckner. What do I know about Quinn? Mm-hmm. Well, I know he was the only guy to win an Olympic gold medal, an NCAA title, an NBA title. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know that about him. And is there anything else? Can I dig up anything? Humanize it if I'm doing an interview. Mm-hmm. When with regard to the game, just know what you're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Like that, Demar Derozan is top five in drives Mm -hmm. he's top 10 in free throws Mm -hmm. attempted per game like some of that stuff you 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 just have to know somebody's watching tv or they're listening to the radio and i need to be able to say derozan with his eight free throw he's averaging 10 a game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know he's number five in the nba like oh really i didn't know that well Mm -hmm. yeah i'm telling you that Mm -hmm. that's my job Mm -hmm. or when there's eight seconds to go in the game and it's tied and i look down on my sheet, I need to see that while the Raptors are shooting 34% from three in games that are within three points under a minute. Mm-hmm. So if they go for a three here, it's a pretty high percentage shot. So people are like, oh, why'd they go for the three? Well, that's well, why. Yeah, right? yeah. So those are things that I just feel that I have to know. There are numbers. As I say, there's the art and there's the science. There's the numbers, the science, 
the, the, the pin down, the back cut, the slip screen, and then there's the art. Mm-hmm. Like where you can look in a guy's eye and say, I, I didn't know if he felt that or yeah. he wanted that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you get some of that by, again, relationships and talking to people. I, I always get to the gym early. Mm-hmm. Watch the warm-up. Catch a guy when he's coming off. Walk up the tunnel with a coach. Go into the visiting locker room. Mm-hmm. Sit down beside a guy. Talk to him. Hey, last game, this and this and this happened. Yeah, well, we were trying to do this. and Listen to the coach's news conference. There's always things that you can pick up. You can't pick it all up, mm-hmm. but just it's like filling your hands. Grab as much as you can and walk away. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the stuff's going to fall and hit the floor, mm-hmm. but... You have enough. You've armed yourself with enough. It's like when you hit that pinata. <laughs> all the candy too. <laughs> a lot of those things went away this season because of the pandemic, because you couldn't physically be there. It's the hardest at the games. part. And, and and to me, that that's not even the part I want to ask you about. And we're 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 over time. And I hope uh, producer Dan Wong will will allow this here. As long as Jonesy doesn't leave us halfway. No, no, no. <laughs> we can talk basketball with Jonesy. For, um. So obviously the pandemic has has it changed the season and and I believe it's going to change for better or worse how basketball is broadcast in the foreseeable future and possibly for years to come. But the thing that really I wanted to I've been wanting to ask you about is the um the social movement and the messaging that we saw from the NBA in terms of uh, Black Lives Matter and the the police shootings that we saw and how these issues came to the forefront this year like never before. Yeah. Um how how did you how were you able to manage that considering your position in the media with the Raptors but also someone who is so respected in the city and this country for your voice? Um, in light of everything that was happening in real time and how it was completely intertwined with the reporting of basketball. I, I think you deal in realities, Dan. When I was a little kid, I sat on my parents' carpeting watching an old black and white TV when the civil rights movement was going on in the 60s. And to, to quote my dad, America was... Black people were holding up a mirror to America. And America was looking in the mirror going, whoa, that's not good. Huh. They did not like what they see, they were seeing. And it's, it's, kind of come, it's kind of come full circle. Like, this stuff is happening, and now it's out there mm-hmm. because of social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The shootings, the, like the, 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 the mistreatment, mm-hmm. it, it's out there. And there's no, there's no running from it. So let's fix it. Mm-hmm. And I think the NBA, with its... 78% African American uh, you know uh, makeup, makeup mm-hmm. is is at the forefront of saying we need this to change mm-hmm. we we love to entertain you we love to make our money playing but it's there's more of us that need help mm-hmm. and we need these other things to stop and for me it's it's like when anything else is 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 topical in the news you need to be able to talk about it. You need to be educated about it. And, and that's that's the way I treated it. Now, it does have a personal sense for me, being at one time the only full-time black play-by-play man on the radio in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That, like... 
Mark different. Spears. Mm-hmm. Mark Spears called me and said, "I didn't know that." I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because I'm. I I hope I got my job because I'm good, not because I'm black, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not going to make a big deal out of that. But why why can't Javon Shepard be on a broadcast, right? Why what like why why can't that happen? And I think my job is to continue to hold up the mirror like everybody else to say, if you don't like what you see, it needs to change. And I'm holding the mirror and I can see out there too. I need it to change. Mm. And, and you don't like, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be just, just, just treat people properly. That's mm. all. That's all. Like, like how can you kneel on a man's neck for nine minutes when he's, he's, he's crying for his mother or whatever. Like, you subdued him like enough mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. and then where it gets dicey is something happens in in Michigan where people are carrying guns and nobody says anything it's like hold on a second this is this is in the spirit of equity this is not fair mm-hmm. this is not this is not the same so and i think now dan as you said going forward this this has been opened up and that genie's not going back in the bottle mm-hmm. It's not in 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 any part of sport or maybe society. So we're going to have to deal with it going forward. We're, we're going to have to examine uh, all phases of society: sports, uh, hiring practices, uh, you know, anything that leads toward inclusivity and equity has got to be at the forefront. Good. Well, I'm glad that we're going in that direction. I'm glad that we have voices in Canada. I think there's a lot in the States. I don't think there's as many voices in Canada who can express it as eloquently as you just did. Um, We're going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, Jonesy speaking for Andy and Shep and producer Dan Wong. We are so grateful you were here today, and it's just awesome to see you and get to talk to you. I'm putting it out right now. I want to come back. At some point, point I'm making a reservation for round two, right? Okay. Dude, that's twist our arms. We're we're happy to do it. So... uh, that will uh, wrap it up here. Thanks to Paul Jones, Javon Shepard, Andy Routens. Uh, my name is DG Dan Gladman, and we are so happy you listened to us. We're at the Eggplant Picture and Sound Studio in Toronto, and we will be back with another podcast next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.